Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, Week 11 Injury Edition, coming to you guys live here Friday afternoon. Shout out to the YouTube audience, going through every single injury news that we have had come across the feed on this lovely Friday afternoon. As always, I'm joined by PFF analyst Dwayne McFarlane, Andrew Erickson. Fellas, how's it going? Andrew, start with you. Doing good. Looking forward to Thanksgiving next week. That's going to be fun. Going to eat a lot of food. But we got to get through this first, this week 11 slate. A lot of injuries to talk about. Uh, breaking news with Amari Cooper now being ruled out. So I don't mean to bury the lead, but I mean, Michael Gallup is now just an amazing play in DFS. And everyone's going to play him. So it should be fun. Dwayne, you're setting off some weird siren thing before the show got no, started. Actually, uh, what say you? One one because Amari Cooper's out. I, I really did call 911. That wasn't the reason. It was also still an accident. But, Andrew, that's not burying the lead. That's propping the lead up. <laughs> yes, correct. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, everyone, I'm, as I'm tweeting this out to uh, the old Twitter sphere right now, I want to thank you, as always, for tuning in. And we will get right after it. Again, going through all the injury information ahead of this week. Some will continue to roll in throughout today, but hopefully this will cover most of our bases. So starting things off at quarterback, we had Aaron Rodgers dealing with his toe issue throughout the week. Didn't practice until Friday. Said all week he's going to start. He is going to start, so not too concerned about that. Similar mindset with Lamar Jackson. Wasn't practicing with the illness. This guy gets sick more than freaking anyone, it seems like. But he got back to practice on Friday. Does not have an injury designation and is good to go for Sunday. I guess the bigger question here is what's going on in Arizona. They have a Week 12 bye. They're calling Kyle Murray a game-time decision with the ankle. They've already ruled out DeAndre Hopkins. Like, Dwayne, what are your thoughts on this Cardinals offense if we're not going to have Kyler again? Because I know Christian Kirk, he's – I think kind of cementing himself as an upside wide receiver three in these sort of injury situations. But at the same time, Cole McCoy, before he got hurt last week, was completely abysmal. And now, like, let's not forget, he is playing through a pec injury himself that has limited him throughout this week. So other than James Conner and Christian Kirk, like, do you really want much to do with this Cardinals offense? No, I think that's pretty much it. I mean, and, you know, with Murray – we would prefer that, but even with Murray, when he's not 100%, like it's not something we're super confident in. And, and, and that's more so for Murray himself, right? Just because we don't get the legs. Um, but with Kurt, yeah, I think low end wide receiver two. I've actually got him at 24, Ian. Perfect. Like there we go on the money, low end wide receiver two. Like there's never been a more low end wide receiver. That's two borderline. That's borderline. You're on the borderline. <laughs> yeah, but it's still like, it's like it. it it's right there. Like it's, it's, it, you can't go further than that because if you go further than that, you're not a low end wide receiver two anymore. Uh, then you're a high end wide receiver three. So having said that, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. It's a, uh, it's a situation that I, I don't want to get. And I don't think people will, like you're not going to go crazy about, but yeah, I think he does belong in the top 24, but not like going higher than that. Ben Roethlisberger still on the COVID list. It seems like he'll get activated. I'm trying to see if there's been any more news. I mean, some of the coverage on this guy has just been a little nauseating. Let's be honest here. Really just patting Ben on the back for self-reporting his own symptoms. Like this guy has just been the most model citizen in the world. But I won't go down too far down that rabbit hole. But, yes, Steelers OC, Matt Canada told reporters that Ben Roethlisberger is preparing like he's going to play. So, Big Ben tentatively expecting him to be out there Sunday night against the Chargers. We also have Tua, who will be playing through the finger pain and will be starting ahead of Jacoby Brissett. Baker Mayfield playing through just about anything is going to be under center as well. The next kind of little bit of a toss-up situation is with the Detroit Lions. Jared Goff listed as doubtful with that oblique injury, meaning – Timmy Boyle, preseason gunslinger. I love watching this guy play. Should be out there under center. Of course you do. You love Drew Locke. Why would you not like Timmy Boyle? I'm sorry. It's like I Tommy know. Trembles and Timmy Boyle. Should be Tommy on the Trembles. Same team Tommy Trembles. Uh, For those of you that don't know, I got a random tweet from Ian like around 1 a.m. one night. It just says, Tommy Trembles. <laughs> Ever since you put that in my head, that's like this Italian mafia sounding name. I just, I can't get enough of it. Sitting there at 1 a.m. cracking up and just texting Dwayne, Tommy Trembles. Andrew, though, we talked about this a little bit on the DFS show, which everyone can catch, you know, on, on the Friday edition of this pod each and every week. But I think golf being out could arguably be a positive for TJ Hawkinson here. I am not afraid to go back the ball with Hawkinson as a top six tight end this week. What say you, Mr. Erickson? Uh, I mean, I think I'd probably like Hawkinson a little bit more if 
I like the matchup. I mean, the Browns have been really good against tight ends this year. The only tight end that has more than 50 receiving yards against them is Travis Kelsey. So, like, you're hoping he scores a touchdown, and, like, that's the issue with the Lions. Like, they, like, don't find themselves, like, with, like, be able to move the football and, and get drives. So, I think there's a lot of other interesting tight ends, and I don't know. I'm kind of hesitant to, you know, pay up for Hawkinson in DFS when there's a lot of pay. I mean, paying down usually works anyway. Like, what's his ceiling? You know, I think he's at 5.7K. Like, what is his actual ceiling with a, in a Tim Boyle-led offense? Like, yeah, I think this probably helps him from just a season-long league. Like, you're not going to drop him to try to pick up another streaming tight end because it's kind of like, you know, what's the difference? Right. But I, I'm not, like, super thrilled about him. That's fine in DFS. Season-long, we have Kelsey, Waller, unfortunately, Pitts busted, Andrews, and Kittle. I think that's all we're really starting over him, though, right? I would yeah. start Gasecki over him, but yes, Whoa. most people are not going to have both. I would probably if Goddard plays, um, I would start uh, Goddard slightly ahead. But yeah, it's it's right in that range. Ian. I got Hawkinson, Gasecki, Goddard right next to each other, so I'm not going to fight you, Dwayne. But it's a fair point. No need to fight, Ian. <laughs> no, need. I, fight, I fight myself enough, so good. <laughs> Dwayne just shows up with a couple black eyes. Oh, I was socking myself, you know. It's just it's Fight Club. Fight Club in the McFarland household. Zach Wilson uh, still not starting with the knee injury. We're getting Joe Flacco under center. Apparently the knee is okay. They just it's a confidence thing. Cool. Uh, just like Mike White, apparently you know could be the future quarterback. But after four bad quarters, we're going with Joe Flacco for no reason. So Jets are gonna jet. Hopefully Flacco can at least enable our guys Corey Davis and Elijah Moore. Also Taysom Hill. Not practicing all week with a foot injury. You know, it's been one of those things where I've been kind of surprised to see the Trevor Simeon leash be as long as it has been. Not that he's playing bad, but I just, you know, Sean, Pay- Sean Payton couldn't stop talking about Taysom Hill for the better part of the last half decade. You would think that he would maybe give him the starting job in this situation. Doesn't have much of a choice with Taysom banged up. Last quarterback note, guys, is that we got Cam Newton starting, but then Matt Rule had to kind of be weird about it and say that Cam will take the first snap, but P.J. Walker will probably play as well. Dwayne, are you taking this like actually as a two quarterback situation or do you think Cam is going to be out there all the time? Because he really is one of the better QB streamers of the week. If we can just be confident, he's actually going to be out there for a full game. Yeah, man. I mean, if that last little quote, like totally, it like did not like my brain's in a pretzel, man. What the hell? Exactly. Like I was like, why did you have to say that? Like, just leave it alone. Don't, 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 don't add that last little part. You know, um, I did lower Newton a couple spots with that note. Like I don't, I don't overly pay attention to coach speak, but it was just enough that it's kind of became a tiebreaker for me against a couple of other players. So right now I've got Cam Newton at QB 17. He, he has a pretty solid matchup, you know, this the week. The best one in Washington. terms of fantasy points. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 27.5 points per game. But like we use some of our more advanced stuff here at PFF and where the really smart people work. Like when you look at quarterback strength of schedule, you know, 6.7, still well above average. Like it's in the top 10, you know, for the week. You look at offensive line pass blocking advantage. It's a minus 26 for the week. Cam, not necessarily the best player. Well, nobody's really that good under pressure. So there's a couple of guys that can do that. But I moved, I'm, I just moved Newton down a couple of spots. So I've got him below Fields and Carr at this point. I had him above those two earlier in the week. So it's not like I made this huge drop, but it was just enough to be like, okay, really? Like there could be certain situations where you would want to see PJ Walker. And look, the reason why I did you know, did that is just because like, it's reasonable to me. Like Cam Newton is still two weeks into learning this offense with Joe Brady. So like, I could see that being a feasible thing where there's certain situations where we could still see Walker. Andrew, I know we were building our cash game lineups around Cam and man, did they look good, but I am a little concerned about him having partial snaps. Do you think this is enough news to go get up to someone like that? I mean, I think that there was always going to be some kind of concern, you know, how well Cam was going to necessarily even just play in this game. You know, he hasn't really, he hasn't played a full game in, you know, a long time. So we were kind of figuring out, okay, if he is the full-time starter, what is he going to play? Like, I think from, you know, we know he's going to get like the money touches. I mean, he outscored PJ Walker last week and, and, you know, PJ Walker played like the majority of snaps. So I don't think that Cam, I really don't know, see how they're going to really incorporate Walker too, too much. I think it's still going to be the Cam show. So, I still think that, yeah, in cash, especially because we do have a couple other salary savers now with some of the running backs, potentially you could move up a little bit, even to get it to like Tua, 
at 5,500, like he's healthy. So I think that I would probably try to find an extra couple dollars to move off Cam. I still think he's in tournaments, though. I think that Cam is still in play. If people just won't play him because, oh, no, PJ Walker might play like 10 snaps. It's like, well, you know, James Winston had a bunch of really good games this year, too, when Taysom Hill also played snaps. So if, if you look at it like from that perspective, you know, people weren't not starting James Winston because of Taysom Hill. It's like it was just based on the matchup. So I yeah. think that if you look at it like from that perspective, I think that you're probably okay with Cam. Tournaments, absolutely. But then also with some of this running back news that we'll be getting to, I think there's enough salary savers that either you don't – I'd like to get up to McCaffrey if possible, but if you can't, you can even go down from the Dillons and James Connors into the lower 5K range and still feel good because – Fellas, Alvin Kamara ruled out with a knee injury, started off with a limited practice, and things were looking good. Unfortunately, back-to-back DMPs, and he is now officially out. So, Dwayne, it, I think Ty Montgomery, if he hasn't been ruled out already, could also be out with his hand injury. He wasn't practicing all week. Once again, it's going to be tough to name more than five or ten running backs that have better pure utilization than Mark Ingram. I will add that we have both of the Saints starting tackles and Ryan Ramshack and uh, left tackle Taron Armstead are also ruled out. So, you know, it's a. Not looking like a good matchup. Obviously, we want those offensive linemen. This is one of the lowest scoring uh, implied games of the week. But with that said, volume is volume. Mark Ingram, he should again be in the overwhelming majority of starting fantasy lineups. Absolutely. Yeah, I think he's a high-end RB2 this week with Kamara out. Um, the encouraging thing last week, and you saw it like late in the game when they when they needed to throw the ball, is plenty of involvement you know for ingram um i do think montgomery i was just looking for an official word on him i don't think he's gonna be in like his finger was pointing the opposite direction of heaven <laughs> like it was pointing towards hades last week after he was walking up phil is really terrible love you time montgomery like that guy's had some tough injury luck you know over the course of his career but yeah ingram um he's gonna be involved in the passing game gonna see all the short down and distance work we have a team that loves to run the ball, Ian. So they're going to turn around and hand it. You know, if you get 60, 70% of the rushing attempts, you know, on the Saints, you know, that's easily 20 touches right there. If you get in a situation where they need to throw you the ball, so I'm like, I think Ingram's 20 to 25 touches is about where we have to have him. Also in running back news, we got Aaron Jones not going to play. All wheels go for A.J. Dillon, you know, as Wayne and I went through. On the waiver wire edition of this podcast, also have Kylan Hill out. So there really just is not a scenario where A.J. Dillon is going to be anything other than a three-down workhorse. You know, always got to be careful when I say, guys, a must-start. Some of you out there will show me these uh, three-team leagues where you will find a way not to start A.J. Dillon. But truly, people, he is a must-start. Get Dillon in lineups of all shapes and sizes. Hey, James Ian, uh, yeah. first time, long time, A.J. Dillon or Christian McCaffrey? Who do I start? Oh all right, man. All right, Dwayne, with the jokes <laughs> here on this Friday afternoon. We got James Robinson. He's listed as questionable. Urban Meyer's kind of calling him day-to-day with this heel and knee. But we also got Carlos Hyde a little banged up with the shoulder. So, uh, Andrew, I guess with this Robinson situation, he came back last week. I think he had something like 17 combined carries and targets. But we did see the snaps a little bit down. They're getting Visca. They're getting Agnew, some rush attempts. Obviously, there's not a ton to love about this Jaguars offense in the first place. How kind of scared off? I mean, I know we're probably starting Robinson more leagues than not because people don't have a choice. But I guess, like, how far are you kind of dropping Robinson because – of these ailments relative to if he was fully healthy yeah i got him at rb 20 so it's not enough to i mean you're still going to start him because he's still starting running back he's involved in the passing game and look they're they're both banged up like him and hyde are both banged up but i mean where's trevor lawrence going to go with the football too like he doesn't have a lot of options to distribute the ball to so robinson you got it done last week he scored a touchdown so i think that's kind of like what you expect like it's not a high ceiling output for him but you know, you get 10, 12, 15 points from Robinson and, and you're fine. Like, you just don't expect him to, like, win you your week. Like, that's not going to be the case. So I think that if you have Robinson, you're probably trying to chase more upside in your flex as opposed to going, like, three running backs. Like, okay, like, go after a more volatile wide receiver. Like, you got Lockett on your bench and you're super frustrated. Okay, you probably should play Lockett because you need that boost because James Robinson probably isn't going to deliver you, like, 20 fantasy points. That's a fair assessment by yourself. 
Antonio Gibson staying limited with the shin injury. You know, we've seen it a couple times where he gets 20 inefficient carries. He finds his way into the end zone. He did this against the Saints and Buccaneers, like the two freaking teams that we should have felt the best about not playing Gibson against. He turns into big performances. But it just matters how this game goes. If Washington can play with the lead, Gibson will probably finish as a top 24 back. If not, times are going to be tough. So just realize, unfortunately, as much as Washington loves to give whoever is playing tight end, if Dwayne was their third string tight end, he'd probably have a 99% snap roll this week. They are not going to be doing that with Antonio Gibson in the year 2021. We are not sure about the status of Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Earlier in the week, it sounded like he wouldn't be playing. Now Andy Reid wouldn't really confirm either way. Still on the injured reserve list. We'll find out by Saturday. Might be a good situation to check out our guy Andrew and Brian Drake on SiriusXM Radio. Always breaking down all the goodness that's coming through the uh, Saturday actives and actives. But, Dwayne, if Clyde is again ruled out, which I think seems likely, if he's in there, it's going to be a situation where try to avoid this backfield if you can. But if Clyde's out, Darrell Williams and all those damn passes he's catching might be coming in handy in the uh, biggest shootout of the week between the Cowboys and the Chiefs. Yeah, it'll be really interesting because this is kind of a situation where teams know what has worked against the Chiefs, right? You run cover six, you run cover four, you run, you know, you run the Tampa two, in, you run the Tampa two sometimes. Um, you go too high man. Those are not the things the Cowboys do. The Cowboys run man the seventh most in the league. They run, uh, you know, uh, cover one a lot. They run cover three, despite the fact that Dan Quinn has really evolved away from what he came from under Pete Carroll. And like he has done a really good job. We run a lot of man coverage in Dallas. I say we just because I live here. I'm not part of the Cowboys (laughs) organization, but I do live, you know, close to Dallas. We'll just put it that way. Live on the Fort Worth side. But um, it'll be interesting because if they do give, you know, um, the Chiefs that recipe, I don't think there'll be a lot of targets for Daryl Williams. I think it'll be like, oh, look, Tyreek Hill's got one-on-one against Anthony Brown or against, you know, Trayvon Diggs. And Mahomes will definitely go there. So it's I think it's a matter of like, and that's where the Cowboys have been good is through man coverage. Anthony Brown's the number one rated cornerback right now. Whenever you play those three coverages, I just talked about cover zero, cover one, um, cover two man. So he's done really well in that. And then we all know how well Trevon Diggs has done. So it's a matter of like strength on strength, like who's going to change because really those format, you know, that formula has not worked for the chiefs yet. So I'm very interested to see what happens. So it kind of all comes down to that. If the Cowboys do adapt, I agree with you. I think Daryl Williams will be very involved in the passing game because Mahomes saw it work last week, used it early in the game and the Raiders ultimately had to then go to even heavier coverages around cover zero and things like that. They gave him the late shots in the game kind of ironically that went to Daryl Williams who mossed a guy like which no one would ever expect and <laughs> probably sick. will never happen again in his career. But it, it, what you're hoping for with the Cowboys is that they kind of take the recipe that the rest of the league has taken with Mahomes. They want to keep everything in front of them. And if that is the case, yes, I do see those catches coming for Daryl Williams. But right now um, I don't know where you guys have Williams, but assuming Edwards Alaire is out, like he's a top 24. I have a hard time like moving him higher than like 18 this week, maybe 17 because we got Barkley coming back. We got Gaskin. I, I was looking like RB 19 off first glance. I, I think that's about right. I think I think that's the sweet spot, Ian. I think you just hit the sweet spot. I don't know, Andrew. What do you think? I got him at RB 18. So oh, look at us. We're all right. We're all right. In the, you know, great minds think alike, of course. People helping people. Saquon Barkley tentatively expected to return from his ankle injury. He's been limited in practice throughout the week. We also have Devontae Booker banged up with the hip issue, and he's been limited as well. So there's a chance that Saquon is actually like the more healthy of the two. It did seem like he was pretty close to coming back before the Giants week 10 bye. Andrew, like I have Saquon right now. I haven't done my, you know, Friday update after all these injuries and stuff, but I had him as the RB 16 this week. I'm starting to wonder if that's just a little bit low because I don't know that we need to think that Saquon's going to be eased back in the same way he was coming off the freaking torn ACL into the season. Giants, you know, they want to win right now, right here, right now. And I don't know that Booker is necessarily that much healthy of an option. Should we get back to treating Saquon as a top 12 RB ASAP Rocky, or should we kind of wait a little bit longer? I mean, it's really hard to parse through because we we really don't know like what they're going to do. We haven't seen him play in a while. You know, Booker's been okay in relief, but he's also banged up too. So you're like, okay, how will they distribute touches? Does it make sense for them to just give Barkley his entire full workload back? And then what happens, you know, the matchup also sucks. Now I know Vita Vea 
is not going to play. So that's obviously a boost for the Giants run game. But it's not like this this Giants offensive line is not like opening up these massive holes for Saquon Barkley to run through anyway. So I have him at RB20, like in front of James Robinson. And I mean, what? So like Darrell Williams, Gibson, Josh Jacob. Like, I mean, if you just want to buy into, okay, well, he probably has a path to see more touches than all those other guys. Then, okay, I can get, I can move him up. I think that you're going to start, you're going to wait for him. I think it's really the most important thing is like, don't start any of these like fringier guys over Saquon. And he, I think he's worth waiting for for Monday night. Yeah, he should be in far more starting lineups than not. As our guy, Justin Gray, appreciate you tuning in. Stated, Saquon, five catches minimum on Monday. Heard it from Justin himself. But that really is the big allure of Saquon. We saw the touchdown against the Saints when he was split out wide. Like, it's that pass-catching ability that really separates him from a lot of these guys. And great point on Vita Vea being likely out this week. Truly one of the bigger, I think, differences in a team's front seven run defense with him being out. We got Josh Jacobs limited with a knee all week. It's not perceived to be something that's going to keep him out of the lineup. Also, same thing with Jalen Richard and his ribs issue. With Jacobs, it's just like, hey, can we get a positive game script for this offense, get him those 20 carries? Otherwise, it could be an annoying game where Drake and Richard are a bit more involved than we want. But, hey, winnable enough spot for them against the Bengals coming off the bye. Jacobs, I think, belongs right there in that low-end RB2 range that uh, I love to talk about. And Andrew just went through some of the backs. Nick Chubb, Demetrius Felton, both activated off the COVID list. Dwayne, we saw Chubb before he got put on the COVID list really start to take over this backfield. It wasn't Chubb and then Dearness Johnson as Kareem Hunt. It was really looking like Chubb is going to be the featured workhorse here. Do you think that's going to happen or has Dearness played well enough to maybe still carry some viable flex value in this one? I think Johnson has played well enough, like whether or not he can be viable flex, you know, it. It's a tricky thing. Like we talk about these sort of fringe players every single week. You know, the matchup is good enough, though, that I've got um, Dearness Johnson really kind of at the higher end of those, you know, similar type players, you know, is the way I look at it. So, I mean, right now, um, if you look at it, um, so like I would have him right around the range of McKissick, Tony Pollard, um, Stevenson last night. You know, he's right on that same range. So, it is a matchup, you know, where you can take advantage of it. You're playing against the Lions. Obviously, if you have Nick Chubb on your roster, you don't need help, you know, being told to start him. But um, running back strength of schedule, top three this week, offensive line run blocking advantage, number one in the league this week against the Lions for, uh, you know, the Browns. So you're in a good spot. Like Nick Chubb, like, come on, like, let's just let's just do this, man. 175 yards, three touchdowns, like helicopter at any end. You do it, not me. You, you personally can do that. I don't know, man. You might be better if you do it at this point. But uh, right. no, Well, I need it. something besides a helicopter. Like, I'll drive a train in or something. I don't know. We'll throw him off the tracks. I was trying to get, like, tricky with that one time. You can, like, find these pages where it's, like, Twitter art. And so, like, I copy-pasted one. And it looked, you know, I'm on my laptop a lot. So, it looked fine on my laptop when I sent it out. And, like, I wake up the next morning. I look at my it's phone. And it's just up. the most jumbled mess of signals ever. And everyone's just like, what the hell are you doing man so uh yeah twitter art it's a it's a practice man you gotta it's, it's an art um okay alex collins limited on wednesday was a dmp on thursday but this is kind of the schedule of seahawks do they give their guys that thursday rest day we still have chris carson not practicing with the neck issue it seems like collins will continue to be that guy just realize like he's not cemented as this like upside rb2 by any stretch the seahawks offense. hey just real quick on him yeah. Ian, like what was interesting i don't know if we touched something on this on our pod on uh monday or not but it's kind of a late week thing i think actually that i caught you know 90 percent of the rushing attempts and you wouldn't notice because it was such a terrible game script you know for the seahawks you know that game was like zero zero to halftime and then you know the the packers i think whatever ended up winning at 17 to zero but collins had 90 percent of the rushing attempts yeah. and so whenever you looked at you know, the previous weeks where we had seen Rashad Penny and other folks getting involved, really it was more of a, just a bifurcated just between the two. And it was Travis Homer and it was Collins. So I have a little bit more, you know, confidence in Collins. Like the matchup, you know, is not, it's, it's above average, right? You know, if you look at it for this week against the Cardinals would potentially out without, you know, really some of the playmaking options that we're used to. So with Collins, I, I'm a little more optimistic than I was last week just because of that. 
I think he's fine in that 17 to kind of 24 range, depending on how optimistic you want to be. The problem is Travis Homer outsnapped him, and he is the pass down back if they're going to get behind. And more problematic, I think, like Rashad Penny was active in that game. They just decided not to use him. I've been digging the amount of Rashad Penny searches I've done this week. Like, it's just a, a very sad indictment. I was just glad life. I didn't say Elijah. Life. That was my only goal. <laughs> you tripped up on that a couple of times for some reason. But that's have, yeah, that happens. You know, I still look, love when you get over 40, and like, you'll deal with this shit. Don't worry about it. <laughs> We will see one of these days. I'm going to live forever, man. Kid couldn't be me. With Collins, though, yes. Low-end RV2. Just know you're not getting the true like workhorse role someone like Chris Carson might get if they're active. It looks like Jamal Williams is on the verge of coming back. He was limited all week, officially listed as questionable. Obviously, DeAndre Swift has had like a true featured role in his absence. So, Andrew, you know, facing the Browns, we don't have golf. Do you care? Like, is DeAndre Swift still someone we're just jamming in the starting lineups, or are you a little more concerned about Jamal coming back and not having golf in the picture? No, I mean, I mean, Swift is is he's matchup proof because you know if they're losing by a lot, then he's just going to be out there and catching passes. So it's like sweet, you're getting points. And then if he's if the Lions are somehow winning, it means he's scoring touchdowns because he's their best player on offense. So I think Swift is still bulletproof. I mean, how much work is Jamal Williams? gonna get you know he hasn't been he he's been limited all week like is he ready to take on a full workload i mean obviously swift has also kind of been limited because he had 36 touches last week so like give the guy like a breather so he can kind of recover for the next week i know their other running backs are also banged up uh, both those guys got hurt as well jamar jefferson and the other godwin i'm sorry i cannot pronounce his last name <laughs> wow. But, wow hey Come on, Andrew. You're supposed to be what like is it? the guru. Like I, I was like the understudy to you, but you're the true guru. Wait, so then what is it then? You guys we don't know. know. We don't know. Just leave it alone. <laughs> what Go is forward. wrong with both of you? What, I got to bring a fourth person in here to get the pronunciation because you guys can't get it right. Oh it's, my like God. I give, it's like but, I give you guys one thing to do and you can't do it. But All right. Yeah, but Swift is still a, a top 10 running back for me. I think that's fair. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> with the 49ers all right this one's a little more important here elijah mitchell man the 49ers they tell us early in the week that it was looking like he was going to be fine to play he jammed his finger in like the second quarter of the game didn't tell anyone oh now it comes through that he is doubtful jermichael hasty with the ankle injury still not close to coming back leaving us jeff wilson to potentially be the featured back for this road trip against the san francisco excuse me against the jacksonville jaguars so we only saw wilson for really the first time in extended action this last week he looked fine enough in last year for those that remember he really was a fancy darling down the stretch in those last three or four weeks getting that every down roll Dwayne, it's another one of these situations man like the rb2 gets the role that we want the rb1 to have i know Debo samuel will be there getting maybe five six carries out in the backfield but it sure looks like jeff wilson is looking at this like mark ingram as three down roll that we should probably be trying to jam in the fancy lamps of all shapes and sizes absolutely like he belongs inside the top 16 if we know for sure elijah mitchell's out you got a top six running back strength of schedule metric you've got a top three offensive line run blocking advantage um yeah i mean it's all firing everything up on jeff wilson this weekend if elijah mitchell is out we could you know with hasty being gone too that is important you check probably still sneak in there he'll do like whatever you know his long down and distance and two minute offense role but it's the jaguars Ian. you know we expect elijah mitchell or sorry uh jeff wilson to be in a situation where they are leading and so that could we saw what that equal last week right we saw that with the rams they jumped out on the rams early and we saw all the carries for mitchell so i think you see the same thing this week with wilson maybe trey sermon gets a little more and poor trey sermon like we love you dude like we love you like we'll pour one out for trey sermon but uh, maybe he gets a few carries, but yeah, mostly Jeff Wilson. I, I think honestly against the Jaguars, like I haven't totally updated everything here just with the newest news, but I think like, I don't see how we don't get 20 touches out of uh, Jeff Wilson this weekend. It's so sad. Like Trey Sermon didn't even like cross my mind here. I think I saw the uh, quote from Kyle Shanahan about it where he's like, yeah, you know, Trey had his chance and he came in and did some things. He just didn't beat out, you know, all these other running backs we have on our roster, like sick, uh, sick third round pick Kyle. Really or, or, any, or any running backs that we may add in the future. Like, yes. Yeah, he left that part out of the press conference. But, yeah. With uh, paraphrasing. The Ra- 
with the Ravens, they uh, obviously cut Le'Veon Bell earlier this week. Devontae Freeman has been the lead back there, but it looks like Latavius Murray, who was limited all week, will be back from that ankle injury. So I would probably try to avoid this group if you can. There's a chance Tyson Williams comes back and makes this a three-headed committee, and there's just also the Williams chance. Has been in. Where, where do you guys have Freeman? Because Freeman has, like, interestingly, like over the last two weeks, handled over 50% of the snaps. Last week, over 50% of the rushing attempts. And I get it. Like, Devontae Freeman's not like a player we want to anchor to or anything. But I have him at 23 right now. Like, I don't I don't know how Is that with Latavius back, though? I mean, Latavius could just yeah, come I mean, back into his starting job, though. I know Freeman's been better, but Latavius, it was his job first. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't subscribe to the it was his job first thing, like when they sucked. So I oh. usually just – I know you don't, Dwayne, but I think <laughs> Hallmark might have something to say about that. No, I, mean, Hall, I, I, Hallmark I agree with Dwayne. May. Hallmark gift cards may, but I, I, you know. I agree with Dwayne. I mean, I think that Freeman, I think Freeman's the guy. Like, I don't know. I mean, like, yeah, Latavius Murray was the guy there, but I mean, Freeman's been pretty good, you know, in that role. I don't see why they would just give it back to Latavius Murray. I mean, I have Freeman at 26, so he's a guy I think that you should start. I mean, 26, it's like a mid-tier RB. It's a higher end I'd rather start him than Alex Collins. Oh, man, look at you over what, Alex Collins. What, you said Collins, Alex right. Collins is the top 24 guy? Well, then why yeah, did I have Freeman, Freeman I have Freeman at 21. I have Alex Collins 31. <laughs> I have Freeman 23. I have Collins 27. So, Ian, settle this. Where do you have these players? Oh, God. Always putting it back on me, you guys. All right. <laughs> I have Freeman as RB23. I don't feel like great about it, though. Yeah, well, there you have ranked higher than I do. <laughs> I think it's like the Chiefs thing. Like, we can feel good about Daryl. We can feel good about Freeman if the other guy is out. But once they come in, like, I'm not lining up. If I can start sick questions with Devontae Freeman in them and it's at all close, I'm probably going to pick the other guy. Like, is that so wrong? No. No, we didn't say that. Like, I don't know what you're getting. You're getting very sensitive around the subject parts. Come on, man. Just free Auden Tate. Let's move forward. Dude, Auden Tate's questionable. <laughs> That's not a good luck. Bengals have not won a game this year without Auden Tate active, and that is a fact. All right. Got a few more running backs to go over here. The Titans, Jeremy McNichols ruled out with the concussion. Everyone is getting on the Deontay Foreman train, and I get it. You should start him ahead of Adrian Peterson. At the same time, I don't know that we saw anything over the past few weeks that says, like, oh, yeah, Deontay is going to be the feature back in Tennessee now. It's a great matchup against Houston. Maybe we only need 10 or 12 carries, carries anyway. But, Andrew, like, where are you ranking Deontay Foreman this week without McNichols? I get it. He should have the pass down work over AP with 10 to 12 carries. But to me, this isn't like a Mark Ingram or a Jeff Wilson, like jam him in your lineup no matter what situation. No, I, I don't think that he's in that tier. I mean, he still has another running back that he's clearly going to split time with. But those other guys, it's pretty clear that they're like the lead and you could see it. I mean, Deontay Foreman getting 20 touches would be like really surprising if that were to happen now. 10 to 12 and efficient touches. Okay, like that's kind of what you're banking on with Deontay Foreman. So I have him at RB27. Um, so yeah, I think that, as an RB2 guy, I think that you can play him. I know I'm playing him in a bunch of leagues where I need running back. I need an RB2, so I'm playing Foreman. Yeah, and Foreman, I'm with I'm with Andrew. Like, I'm playing Foreman, but it does have a – it has a hint of Wayne Gallman to it, doesn't it, Ian? Yeah. <laughs> it's disgusting. Like, this whole range is disgusting. You guys are going to have some doozy. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, oh, there's, there's Kadri Allison. Oh, there's Ian Harditz running down the field, you know, for the <laughs> Titans for 40 yards. Yeah, it, it has – I'm with you. Like Foreman's a starter, but it, it feels a bit dicey. As always, you guys can catch Dwayne and Andrew Sunday mornings going through some of your start sick questions. You guys start that at 10 p.m. or 10 a.m. Uh, yeah, we start at 10 p.m. and everyone's like, "Yo, guys!" Like, we have the perfect answers at 10 p.m. on Sunday. <laughs> we will tell you exactly what to do. Wouldn't that be a great show? We'll answer your start sits after the games are over. 100% accuracy rate on the season. Last three things that aren't too big a deals, but something to keep an eye on. Damian Williams looks like he'll be back. He was practicing in full on Thursday. David Montgomery, I think you can feel good about starting. He had the featured role before the bye. Now he's even more healthy. Like, if anyone was going to be a true threat, it should be Khalil Herbert. But come on, guys, it's Matt Nagy. Like, who who knows really what's going to happen here. So just keep in mind that Damian Williams will be back. It should still be Montgomery. uh, But just, you know, we'll see how that plays out. Malcolm Brown is out another week with the quad injury, meaning Miles Gaskin still in that volume-based RB2 conversation. And then finally, more 
more reason to feel good about Mark Ingram is we did get clarification that Ty Montgomery is ruled out with that hand. Hey, injury. Ian, can I ask yeah. real quick, just like where yes. do you guys have Gaskin this week? Because it's a great matchup, right? Yeah. Um, with the Jets. <clears throat> but it is the Dolphins coaching staff, which no one trusts, especially. Well, he's us. been he's been so bad that if something happens like what we saw last night, we're like, oh, Quadri Alston's gonna play ahead of these other guys now. <laughs> like if that happened to Miles Gaskin, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah. With that okay. said, I still have him RB seventeen. I could see him bump him down a little bit. This matchup's amazing and he catches passes re- regardless. So Andrew, where you got? I got him at RB 16 and, and, and yeah, also like, me too. I mean, it, it's a little different. I think the scenario where, you know, with the Falcons game, I mean, look, I mean, Miles Gaskin has not been good, but I mean, he has been Mike Davis, like level bad. Like I will give him that credit. So I would stick with Miles Gaskin, 18 touches per game over the last four games. He's playing the Jets and they're, they're just so bad. We need a, we need a new back. nickname for Mike Davis. We don't have to do it on the oh, show. I don't want to mean. It, it's, no, we're not being mean. It's just something about emptiness. There's snaps. There's 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 there are snaps, but then there's production. And like when you get snaps and no production, there's something. And like that is Mike Davis's name. But we can move forward. He's Going the projection. On. He's the projections model, darling. Pops Going in the projections. On. That's that's too nice. Going on to wide receivers. <laughs> you freaking hate Sorry, Ian. I, I want to be positive on a Friday afternoon. I love Debo you. Samuel should be good to go. He's still dealing with the shin injury, but as we've seen over the past few weeks, not limiting his usage. Continue to fire him up as a top five option he's been all season long. And with these running back issues, like it really is wild now that we're seeing Debo potentially be the first like actual running back wide receiver true like 90 percent hybrid obviously our guy Cordero Patterson was getting there and we saw how great that could be for fantasy man so these dual threat players however you want to twist it are pretty special but now for the main event Amari Cooper with COVID he's out this week he's also out next week Cedric Wilson looks like he's healthy enough to be back meaning we should get three wide receiver sets with CeeDee Lamb Michael Gallup and Cedric Wilson Obviously, Gallup, one of, if not the best, like number three receiver in the NFL. I will, okay, he's not the best. That's Antonio Brown or whoever you want to say it is out of Tampa Bay. Still a very good number three wide receiver. You know, me freaking out and putting two bigger words in my mouth aside. Dwayne, where are you ranking Gallup now? Because we all know CeeDee Lamb's a top 10 receiver that we're starting. But how big is the jump for Gallup? Is he now upside wide receiver two, like similar to what a healthy yes. trooper is? Okay, nice. Yeah. Yeah. No, look, and here's the thing. We haven't seen a healthy Cooper in multiple weeks, right? Right. He's really been dealing with a hamstring injury. You know, he's had, he's had a few things, had the ribs going on early in the season. We we saw a healthy Cooper week one. We haven't seen one since then, but yeah, with Gallup, um, you know, just knowing the increase that he's going to see in the routes, we got a shootout potential with Kansas city. You got the number one total on the slate. You got a top five implied points on the slate. Um, 34.4 points allowed per game to opposing wide receivers for the Chiefs. So, yeah, I've got Gallup, um, and I haven't updated my projections on the site, but he will be in my top 24. I will have him right now above Brandon Cooks, just one slot below T. Higgins and Adam Thielen. You could make an argument easily that he belongs above those two. Like, I think he's right there in that range. The guys I'll have below him, just a couple of slots, are Tyler Lockett and Mike Williams. So that's the range I would have Gallup in this week against the Chiefs in a potential shootout. Andrew, pretty similar thoughts where we're more or less just kind of swapping Cooper for Gallup. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, I, that's pretty much what I did in my ranking. So I was like, where's Cooper? All right, put Gallup in, X out, <laughs> Cooper, go. good, done. <laughs> like, So he's <laughs> he's at number 20 for me, and I got a question about him on Twitter, and it's like Gallup or just, somebody. I was like, Gallup. It's like, yeah, yeah, I mean, Gallup does catch every pass like – like this, I don't understand. But it with his feet really like three feet off the air. No, actually, yeah. so I have a question though about so the number three. So it's like DFS. Look, looking at this from DFS. So now we have another cheap piece potentially. So Gallup's gonna be super popular. Like the Lamb Gallup Dak stacks is gonna be like mega chalk. So is so Cedric Wilson played less yes. than Malik Turner did last week. So like what? So is it is it still Cedric Wilson? Should he be yes. the, the target? It's injury related. It's injury related with the way, and it was late in the game, you know. So yeah, Malik, who was I can't remember who it was on Twitter. Somebody said, "Tweet out your Malik Turner your lineups," <laughs> and like somebody responded. I was like, "How does this even happen?" Yeah, but anyway, you know, somebody had it. Somebody had it. Um, yeah, no, I, you know, just living here and hearing it every single day, like till my ears bleed. Yes, it's still Cedric Wilson. And what about yeah. uh, the Schultz? 
move at all for you guys with no Cooper? I think so. Yeah. I think Schultz is actually the third player I prefer, to be honest. Like I yeah. think it's it's Lamb, then it's Gallup, then it's Schultz, then it's Wilson. Um, we saw we have seen Schultz over the last few weeks, Andrew, like um, and like going back and just watching it, like defenses over the last three games have paid more attention to Schultz because typically that's what they're watching this film for three or four weeks. And we did see, you know, Schultz with his targets per route run were super high, like early in the year. And now his routes have been good because you have Blake Jarwin out, but you've seen his targets per route, you know, go down every single week. Last week was an ultimate low for the season. So some of that was Gallup. But here's the thing. Like when you look at Schultz, he's out there over 80 percent of the 80% of the routes, which is like the number one threshold we look for for tight ends. And I think he could push for like 20% targets per route run this week. So I've definitely got to move him up in the ranks. More wide receiver news. I've seen some people in the comments talking about this Cardinals situation. So we'll touch on that right now with DeAndre Hopkins ruled out with the hamstring injury. These splits last week, I, I'm I'm angry going through it. And there, you know, maybe I complain too much on this. I don't know. But there are situations where I just cannot – think of why they're rationally doing this. And this is one of them because the top three receivers in Arizona last week were Christian Kirk, AJ Green, and Antoine, Antoine uh, Wesley, excuse me, with the pronunciation. Rondell Moore was out I there. I love playing. Antoine. Antoine's great. I love him. He's fine, but what the hell, man? Ron, what do you draft Rondell Moore for if DeAndre Hawkins being out can't even get the guy a part-time role? And then you can say, oh, Ian, well, it's because he had a neck and a concussion injury, so he didn't want to put him all the way in. What's he doing on the field in the first place if those are the injuries? That's not like a sore ankle that you're trying to play through when it's your freaking neck that's a problem. So with like, I was thinking – Three, four weeks ago when Hopkins started having these problems that we would have Christian Kirk and Rondale Moore emerging as guys. But, like, Dwayne, other than Kirk, I don't want to start anybody in this off. Other than Kirk and James Conner, I don't want to start anybody in Arizona. Yeah. To this point, Rondale Moore, he's got a very defined role no matter what happens. Even when you see his snaps go up, everything's close to the line of scrimmage. That doesn't mean that that's really, you know, an indicator for what he's going to be in his career, right? We all know this is a player that's got – Elite speed, you know, great after the catch. I think he will expand his route tree and all those things. But I think they came into this season, you know, with the plan that he was going to be the fourth receiver, certain way that they're going to utilize him. And that's really just what's been carried through, right? And, and I think the clearest indicator of all of that is to see Antoine Wesley, like, working instead of, right, Hopkins, and that ultimately limiting, you know, a player like Moore. So, um, yeah, I, there's, I don't think there's a way that we can use, you know, a lot, you know, I think – Elijah Moore. I can go in the wrong direction again, Ian. Like, like pull me off the tracks. Yeah. I don't think there's a way that we can use more this weekend. Rondell, that is, against the Seahawks. Just unless, like, it's complete, like, pump play. If you're, like, in a 16-teamer and you're, like, telling us you got four flex spots, great. Like, you can use Rondell Moore. I've got him at wide receiver 59 on the week. Um, not, not a situation that I want to be around. Andrew, would you start Christian Kirk over Jalen Waddle and T. Higgins? I would not. No. I would not either. I have them. I like those guys them. too much. So it's uh, close. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah, I have Waddle one slot ahead of Kirk. That's a great question. I got Kirk at 24. Andrew, would you start Kirk over Emmanuel Sanders and Corey Davis? Yes. Yeah. Look at We're that, all guys. on the same page. Why are you throwing softballs like that? That's too <laughs> easy. Come on, man. <laughs> just, got, just got some great comments. All right. I, all right, I, got, a tough, I got a tougher question. one. I got a tougher Ooh, one. All right. So Christian Kirk or Michael Pittman? Pittman. I have Kirk one ahead of Pittman. No, the Pittman. why? The Bills. Yeah, we'll finally get the volume he yeah. needs. Pittman is against. Yeah, I've got Kirk one ahead of Pittman against the Bills. There we These go. Guys are some Pittman haters over here. I'm talking. Look, Pittman haters like wide receiver twenty five. Come on, man. <laughs> Chase Claypool limited all week with a toe injury. Did you guys see a final injury designation? He's good. He is good. He's not on the injury report, so he's playing. Okay, so that. We've seen this now. I don't think you can comfortably do either James Washington or Ray Ray McLeod. Not that anyone was really lining up to do that in the first place. Um, I, and with Big Ben expected to come back, that should probably be an upgrade over Mason Rudolph. You would really like to think so. Um, Andrew, with Claypool now being back, maybe at 100%, maybe not. Are you ready to put him back in kind of that low-end wide receiver two range? Or are we still kind of, eh, it's Deontay and we'll see what happens then with everyone else? No, I mean I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm not playing Claypool. I mean, if you look at his his finishes the last two weeks, or when he was healthy, he was forty wide receiver forty three, wide receiver forty five, and then the, before the bye week, he was wide receiver eighty two. So it's like the guy hasn't really. He's had one really top twenty four performance in half point PPR all season. So it's like you know 
why are you kind of like trying to thrust this guy into your lineup, especially against it's a bad matchup? Chargers are much better against the pass than they are against the run. And the one thing that Mason Rudolph is better than at Big Ben is throwing the ball downfield. Like he can just he has just a better arm. So and that's what Claypool's game is predicated on is, is these big plays. So just let Claypool show him that, that he's healthy. Like yeah. show him, prove it to like show like let him prove it to us that he's good to go and he's going to make plays. I think it's just you just play the same guys. You play Deontay, you play Najee, and then no one else. Dwayne, you think Claypool qualifies as a buy low? Maybe even like you can find him on a waiver wire in a smaller league because really, like Andrew said, he has only had one, maybe two uh, really solid games this season. I remember we were talking about him before he got this toe injury to start with. We're like, you look at his snaps, they're all moving in the right direction post-Juju. He had four rush attempts in his final two games there. Like Claypool, worst case, you're getting a guy that, yeah, basically a boomer bust, wide receiver three, doing a little more busting at this point. Best case, you have a 1A, 1B, probably a 1B, yeah, in this offense that we saw last year can give you some true boom weeks. Absolutely. I think these are the perfect scenarios like that you're looking for. And I get it. In larger leagues, you're you guys are like scoffing like Chase Claypool's not available. You douchebags. We, we know. But there are smaller leagues, you know, where Chase Claypool is available and you should definitely be all over. Like you got a young talent. We saw him do more with less targets per route run last last year. Yeah, he is getting more attention, seeing a little more help and coverage this season. But yeah, Deontay Johnson can't continue to do everything. And yeah, we do like, you know, Pat Frymouth as, you know, as much as any other podcast in the world. But look, there's when you look at Claypool and he could be out there for 90, 88, 92%, you know, of the route, somewhere in that range, like that's way above, like where we saw him last year at 60 to 70% when he was putting up wide receiver two numbers. So I still believe in it. The offense has changed a little bit, but yes, I think he is the number two target when healthy on the team. I think the real question is just really how healthy is, is he? Because we know it's a toe issue. So I didn't get to read specifically into it i'm guessing anytime i read toe i automatically think it's turf toe you know so you know that's that's a situation that seems like something that you got to deal with like the rest of the season you know but it's but it is all something that they can just give you a shot like you know before the game they can give you a shot at halftime and you can work your way through it as long as you can practice and you can be more news. Donovan Peoples-Jones with a groin was a midweek downgrade. He did come back to practice on Friday. He is officially listed as questionable. If you're 14 or plus team league and you need a flex, like, okay, certainly he could take one of his handful of targets to the house against this Lions secondary. Um, with that said, though, we just know there's too many issues with Baker's efficiency and with more so just the volume in this overall passing game like putting all my obj bullshit aside that i always spew at you guys uh like look jarvis landry hasn't scored a touchdown this year i don't think he's surpassed 70 yards since week one nobody is putting up production in this offense and it's not because all the wide receivers suck it's just because the volume really is never concentrated enough for anyone to really go off also got Allen Robinson doubtful with a hamstring injury. Darnell Mooney, you know, he's had a, a different injury every single week, it seems like. But he has this foot issue. Andrew, I mean, Mooney has been outscoring Robinson already. Can we actually, you know, I don't want to get too, I don't want to get hurt again by this Bears passing game. It's been a rough year. Every single time we think uh, we know what's going on, it kind of goes south. But with Mooney having less competition than ever for number one duties, where are you ranking him this week? Yeah, I got Mooney at wide receiver 34. So I think that he's a, a guy you start as a wide receiver three. I think that, you know, he was already kind of playing ahead of Robinson. He had a higher target share than Robinson. But now that Robinson's just is, is not going to play, like it takes away any chance of the targets reverting back to Robinson. It's kind of like why you were always hesitant to play Mooney because you're like, oh, well, this will be the week. It does revert back to Robinson because we know that Robinson has been a player that's commanded targets at a high level throughout his entire career. So that's why you never really felt great about Mooney. Well, now it's like it's pretty clear year the targets are going to go to Mooney and I actually moved up Cole Komet a ton in my rankings yeah. because I think that's where the targets are going to go like I, I could easily see Mooney and Komet combining for a 50% target share because it's like who else Demir Bird like I, I saw enough of that guy play for the Patriots last year like he like doesn't like command targets in the offense so it feels like gonna have to throw the ball which is kind of how you attack this the Ravens give up big plays like that's the one thing they're, they're not great at they give up a lot of big plays it's not the same Ravens defense that the name cachet would necessarily portray. So I think that Mooney is an upside, you know, wide receiver three play. 
Antonio Brown not practicing on Thursday. Seems like he's still a little bit away. I know he came on Instagram and said that we'd be seeing some fireworks soon. Obviously, we got everyone's favorite story to go into with the potential fake vaccine card. I don't know. Like Bruce Arians and the lawyers in the NFL says everything's okay. But if you all want to run with whatever the chef's saying, like, go ahead. I know AB hasn't earned the benefit of the doubt with this stuff. It's just, uh, you know. It's people's just willingness to jump on these topics and just really go at a dude's throat. Uh, I think there's better things to talk about. Chris Goblin is uh, limited with a foot injury, should be good to go. If AB is back this week, guys, are we, you know, throwing him in that wide receiver two conversation immediately or more of a wait and see thing? Because, Dwayne, I know when we were talking about it, when AB is out of the picture, we get Mike Evans and Chris Goblin in true wide receiver one territory. There's only one ball to go around, though, otherwise, and it looks like Gronk will be back as well. You know, he's a player that I don't need to wait on. You know, honestly, as soon as he's back, I'm going to plug him in as a high-end wide receiver three, low-end wide receiver two. And he obviously, he can give you more than that. Like, if you look at him on a, you know, per-route basis, like, he's the best He's the best receiver from a fantasy perspective that the Bucs have had all year. So, I, he's enough of a veteran. Brady's a veteran. It doesn't – it's not a situation where I'm like, oh, my God, like, their chemistry is not going to work. Um, if he's back, I'm willing to plug him in. Hollywood Brown returned to practice Friday with Rashad Bateman and with Lamar Jackson. Marquise is listed as questionable with the thigh issue. You would think he'll go ahead and play through this, though. Bateman not listed at all on the injury report coming back from that illness. So, Andrew, you know, Bateman's been someone that I get – I feel like more start sick questions every week with Rashad Bateman. Like some people think of him as this wide receiver three, wide receiver four, and then I'll see him be like Rashad Bateman versus Tyler Lockett or something like that's just pretty ridiculous in my opinion. How are you treating Bateman? Because yes, this Ravens offense is throwing the ball more often this year, but we've also seen now a good four or five games worth of evidence that it's Hollywood and then it's Mark Andrews kind of slash Bateman as the number two. I think he's a perfectly solid wide receiver three, kind of around like Brandon Ayuk. What say you, Andrew? Yeah, I, I think that if you don't have like this clear better option than Bateman, I think that he's fine. Like he's been solid every time that he, so what, uh, yo, wide receiver 28, wide receiver 39, wide receiver 26. Like he's been solid. Like you, if you've played him over the last couple of weeks, like I don't see why you would take him out of your lineup because he's been good. Like he's been consistent. Like, you know, what you're going to get out of him. I mean, you know, he's talented. Like he's a first round pick. Like we're seeing these rookies break out all over the place. And Bateman is still like, doesn't, he doesn't have that like massive breakout game. But this is a really good matchup. The Bears have not been good in the secondary. And you're going to see more of Jalen Johnson probably on market. I mean, that's the only really good corner the Bears have. Like, they don't really have anybody else besides Jalen Johnson. So if he's on Marquis Brown a little bit more, then I think that Rashad Bateman is just going to continue to produce. Also have Sterling Shepard. Obviously, in the Monday night game, it seemed like it was a situation where he wasn't going to play. We had Saquon coming back, practicing from the bye. A lot of guys, but not Shepard. He did return to practice on Friday. <sighs> Don't do it to us. If we have to look at snap rates on Tuesday morning to have Kadarius Tony out of this team starting three wide receivers, I am not going to be happy, everyone. Shepard's back, like Dwayne. I guess we we gotta bump Tony. Like who? I wouldn't feel good about playing any of these guys at that point. I barely feel good about Tony as it is. If we throw Shepard back into the equation, we probably have to give Shepard the lead target dog that he's been all year projection. And after that, it's a mess. Yeah, I mean, we've seen games now. To be fair to Tony, he's been injured. But we've seen games without Shepard. You know, with Tony, where it hasn't really worked out. Right. Um, and but anytime Shepard's been on the field, we've definitely seen him, you know, involved. So it, I think it's just something where Daniel Jones does trust Shepard, gets to work out of the slot. You know, there's a lot of different, you know, uh, you know, factors that go into play to how all this stuff works out. But it's a situation where I, you know, I've got Tony right now at 39 um, in my rank. So I he's a boom bust. Right. You know, wide receiver four. We know we've seen the talent. We've seen the targets per route run. Those things are all very positive yards per route run. Like he's got a lot of really good things going for him, but I think it is definitely more of a boom bust. We also have Kenny Galladay, you know, really, you know, he came back the week before the bye after being out with a hyperextended knee. Now he gets another week of the bye week being able to rest. So Galladay, we also haven't seen him fully get targeted in the offense. And you saw Evan Ingram's role grow before the bye week. So there's just a lot of mouths to feed and an offense that's not very good. Um, that's led by Ian, your favorite meme, you know, Jason Garrett, you know, with his head out of the train. So it's uh, it's a bad situation. I still love the 
kind soul on Twitter who made me the PFF Lily uh, replacement. <laughs> that was awesome. Out the That's one of the best ever. I love will, it. <laughs> will forever be my cover photo, at least for the time being. Uh, a couple more wide receiver injuries, nothing too big, but Alan Lazard, doubtful with a shoulder injury, helps us kind of ingrain those three wide receiver sets with Adams, MBS, and Randall Cobb. I know MVS and Cobb, like you're still not really feeling good about them in season long. If you want to get contrarian in a tournament, though, I do think this would be the week now that we don't have Lazard making that a four or a three-way rotation among the complementary pieces. Curtis Samuel listed as questionable with this groin injury. They just refused to put him on IR all year. I hope he's back and healthy, but you cannot trust him at all. Just way too much chance for re-aggravation if he even plays. Cole Beasley, it looks like he's going to play again, but people, he played nine snaps last week. And really, it was just a rotation between him, McKenzie, Gabriel Davis, and even Emmanuel Sanders alongside um, Stefan Diggs, who was the clear alpha in that group so really try to give Beasley another week on the bench if you can help it I'm just not confident that we're going to see him even play more than 10 to 12 snaps in this game obviously he's a solid wide receiver through and we know he's going to be out there all the time we don't know that though and finally most importantly Auden Tate questionable with thigh injury get better Auden we, we all need you out there all right now, a couple things to wrap up. Uh, before we get to some ru extra running back injury updates, Tim Patrick got paid. Good for you, Tim. Best number four wide receiver in the NFL, arguably, maybe even the number three at this point. Three years, up to $34.5 million. $18.5 million guaranteed for our guy, Tim Patrick. You absolutely love to see it. Makes you wonder about Cortland Sutton's long-term future in Denver. Either Aaron Rodgers is number two next year. Patrick. <laughs> I am in for that. Jerry Judy still looking just fine as well. Now with the running back stuff, the man that Pete Carroll told us was day to day about a month ago is now undergoing season ending neck surgery. Like, come on, man. I feel like this is just bad. Like it's cute when some coaches like, ah, oh, you know, you can see, you can see the injury report at the end on Friday and stuff, but to openly say this guy like could come back, like was Carroll pushing for him to come back when he knew he needed like season ending neck surgery? Like, it's not really that funny, man. Like, just kind of be upfront or don't say anything at all. Quit being so damn optimistic all the time when clearly Carson has a concern that he needs to, uh, you know, take care of. And now he is. So hopefully Carson, uh, you know, is good to go in the future. In typical Pete Carroll fashion, he couldn't just say like, yeah, he's going to be out for the year. He had to say there's every bit of confidence that he'll be back next year. I would have more confidence in him being back next year if Pete Carroll didn't say a damn thing about it. So... <laughs> More, more confidence with Alex Collins moving forward, I guess. Like, Carson isn't coming back and getting the job now. So, Andrew, any major thoughts on this? Um, I would say, look, Alex Collins has been, like, he's been not, he's just not been good uh, over the last couple of weeks. And, and what I say is, like, I would try to, like, stash, like, DJ Dallas. Like, literally, like, add one of these other Seahawks running backs if they are going to do something different. Like, Penny has not been the answer. Like, you talked about how they didn't really even use him at all the last time they played. I know Collins has been getting the work, but eventually they get, I don't know. I feel like they're going to try to turn things up a little bit and maybe switch it up. So I think DJ Dallas is an interesting back of the roster stash. Dwayne. Uh, can any of those guys do an Irish jig? <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> no, look, here's the thing with, like I said, Collins, 90% of the carries last week. The biggest thing is with Penny not being involved. I do agree with Andrew. Like I think a stash was one of the other players at the back end, but it's been pretty clear so far, like how they want to utilize these players. And it's really been Homer and Dallas handling passing down duties. Right. And then the other two being more of the early down work. So I think we'll see some combination of two to three backs from here on out. I feel a little more confident in Collins, but I mean, we, we, we talked about where we had him ranked earlier. I don't, I don't know that that it'll take like a really big performance, right. To move us off of that to where next week we're having the show. And we're like, Oh yeah, Alex Collins, you know, number 16. I think he's going to be a borderline RB two the rest of the season. So he shouldn't be on a wire anywhere. I'll put it that way. Quickly. Some tight end notes before we get out of here. Dallas Goddard, Cleared the concussion protocol and got paid. Nice little Friday there for Dallas, and he is expecting to play. Continue to fire him up as a weekly top eight tight end. We mentioned it before, but between him, Hawkinson, Mike Jasicki, I think that is kind of the range. Maybe we can bump up Dalton Schultz 
back in that group without Amari Cooper, but that really is, you know, kind of your last few guys before we reach the end of the top 10. Gerald Everett wasn't practicing all week with a groin injury, but he will play. Good to see that. He's once again in play as a salary-saving option at tight end over on DraftKings. Now, Andrew, we talked about this a little bit yesterday, but we got Ricky Seals-Jones ruled out with the hip injury. Logan Thomas is still on IR with the hamstring. It's not looking like he's on the verge of coming back, which leaves us John Bates. Now, we know that Washington gives any tight end a three-down, not even a three-down, 100% snap roll when they're out there. But I feel like this is a trap, man. This dude had two touchdowns, averaged like two catches per game at Boise State. This isn't like a receiver convert like Ricky Seals-Jones or like a proven, actually good football player like Logan Thomas. I feel like I'm looking at that this is the trap meme. Like, we aren't really going to play John Bates this week, right? We have salary-saving options everywhere. Just give me Cole Komet. All right, so like in cash, yeah, it's probably too thin in cash. But tournaments, oh, baby, I'm, I'm playing some John Bates at <laughs> 2,500. I mean, look. He ran a route, 85% of the dropback, so the role is there. And, and we're seeing from all these fringy tight ends that if they're running routes on 80% of the dropbacks, like they just find their way into production. Like it doesn't matter. Like who else are they going to throw the football? They don't have receivers in Washington, number one. Like they have McLaurin and JD McKissick. Like they, there's just no one else to throw the ball to. So I think that works in Bates' favor. And then Bates is like athletic. Like this isn't your Jason Witt in tight end. So he's 80%, 80 percentile height. Like he's a big, di- he's a big dude. 93rd percentile three cone, 77th percentile broad jump. Like he's explosive. So yeah, I, I think that Bates is in play uh, in DFS this week at 2,500. Dwayne, come on, give me something. I don't want to get hyped about John Bates. He's kind of athletic. Every NFL player is athletic, but this is not like a Rico Gathers situation. <laughs> Rico Gathers, <laughs> you just had to go there. Yeah, but does he have a rap album? Asking the important questions. Hey, hey, Cole, Cole Beasley had a rap album. So, um, <laughs> no, I think I'm actually with Andrew. I mean, I shouldn't say actually. I'm with Andrew a lot. You know, <laughs> Andrew has good analysis, but it's a situation where we've seen, you know, with Washington, they just kind of plug the next person in. It's very rare that you get this actually where you know, you don't just have like vaporware, right? These empty, Hey, we promise you. And you get these, you get these, you, you know, you may get snaps and routes, but there's no targets or anything else. Um, and with Bates, we did actually see him get utilized a little bit. And I think the other thing with Washington is there's just no one else to go to right now. Right. I mean, you got Diami Brown who's battling injuries as a rookie. You got Curtis Samuel who can't get anything going. You got Terry McLaurin facing double coverage, like, you know, every other play, it's just like, who else do I throw the ball to if I'm the Washington quarterback? And I think that's really where to Andrew's point, like, I think Bates is viable as a, as a, you know, as a low end tight end with upside just for, you know, salary relief, not somebody, you know, that I want to be starting in season long, but it's just enough that, yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Whatever. Do I sound really convinced? Awesome. I got excited when we saw, you know, I don't want anyone to get hurt, but. But you were excited. so I was excited. So Jack Doyle was uh, downgraded from full to limited. And I thought, hey, maybe Mo Cox will actually get a three down roll. Nope. Doyle back up to full. He is good to go for some. Cox, it feels like if I was going on like this exotic hunting trip, they're like, you may get a Mo Cox today. You're like, oh, what's that? Like, dude, <laughs> it's very rare. You know, you what? only see it like triple rainbow all the way kind of thing. You know, you get a Mo Cox, you know. Anyway, is it fenced in? Yeah, it's fenced in. You don't ever see it. Anyway, well, sorry. One of forward. my favorite uh, bits on like all of fantasy Twitter and just football in general is at uh, Jetpack. Galileo where he'll take like a random play of Mo Alley Cox and like just take like the corner of him and just make him like 20 <laughs> feet tall compared to everyone else on the field. That's what he looks like out there. And uh, it's pretty hilarious when yeah. people like don't. Debro had a good one on him too, of him running around like a bunch of ki- like, like this giant running around against kindergartners and said <laughs> Mo Alley Cox in the red zone. <laughs> That was a great He's so scary, team. man. He's so scary. All right. Last uh, tight end note. Rob Gronkowski started off the week with a full practice. It's looking like he will return from this back slash ribs injury that's kept him sidelined for a while. 
I'm actually, it's, it's been kind of funky, guys. Like Bruce Arians, notorious liar in terms of telling uh, the fantasy community about. Very aggressive. His, uh, I don't know. <laughs> if we don't include that second part, it's going to make me look pretty bad. About <laughs> his fantasy football information and workload notes. I don't blame coaches for not telling us that stuff. But Bruce, king of saying, we want to get this guy 20 touches, uh, regardless of who he's talking about. But when Gronk came back the first time, Arians was saying like emergency only and, and that type of stuff stuff so andrew if we don't get that clarifier like can we go back to treating gronk as this like multi-touchdown upside top eight tight end or would you kind of like to see that full-time role come back before we throw him in there yeah i mean i want to see it because i just don't want to take like a total zero now now maybe if you can look maybe if you have evan ingram too so you have both those guys you look at your matchup monday night you're like all right if i need like five points okay like i'll just throw evan ingram in there but if i need like a big game for my tight end like i'm going to use rob gronkowski and hope for the uh, upside there because i mean he could have another back spasm like all right well he's out of the game again so it's like gets you zero so i think that the, the move is pick up evan ingram have both of them and then make the move based on your matchup and what you need Dwayne, same thoughts i would take gronk yeah. over evan ingram i think yeah. for what yeah no i think andrew nailed it on that you know i think the thing with arians is he can always pass you know the red face test because his face is always like sunburned <laughs> So it's just like, you know, battery has high blood pressure. Maybe it's both. We love you, Bruce, and we're praying for you. Dwayne's all over the place on Fridays. I absolutely, I absolutely love it. All right, just a few other notes from some, you know, non-fantasy relevant injuries, but maybe it'll still prove to make an impact. Khalil Mack done for the season on injury reserve with a foot issue. Uh, Giant safety Logan Ryan, someone that could be very responsible for guarding Rob Gronkowski, is likely out on the COVID list. We mentioned Vita Vea, the Buccaneers' incredible run stuff and defensive tackle. He is, quote-unquote, very unlikely to play this week with a knee injury. The Steelers are really down. TJ Watts ruled out with a knee and hip issue. Joe Hayden's out with a foot injury. And Minka Fitzpatrick is out with COVID. We also got Jack Rabbit Jenkins not practicing on Friday due to a chest issue, which is good news for Brandon Cooks. And he's getting enough volume. Nico Regardless, Collins. Nico so Collins. Nico oh. Collins overs. You and Jared, man. I, I like Nico Collins, but like that's not that's it, not dude, freaking... his line is at 23 receiving yards. Okay. He's hit that in every single week he's played this year, except for week one. That's we fine. Go. That's fine for a player prop. That's not <laughs> Ruin our credibility with our audience here, hyping up Nico Collins because Jared likes Michigan. Okay, Saints, <laughs> I mentioned, not out. They're out of their starting right tackle. They're out of, starting, out of their starting left tackle in addition to Alvin Kamara. Last point here, I saw someone in the comments, appreciate you guys hanging out with us here, uh, mention how you know, Mike Williams, people aren't feeling good about him. Please start him over Kadarius Tony, whichever one of you was making that point. Because, Dwayne, if there could be a get-right spot for this Chargers offense, why not against the Steelers defense that is down arguably their top three players? Probably not with Cam Hayward being a monster in his own right, but minimum three of their top five players out of the picture. Mike Williams, let's go. I'm with you. Mike Williams, let's go. Fire it up. That's hard-hitting analysis that we uh, – <laughs> Always get from Dwayne McFarland here on the PFF Fantasy Football yeah, Podcast. You did such a good job, Ian. You left me nothing. There was no meat on the bone like you had it all. Got it. Maybe I did it on purpose. I don't know. You, know, just, you don't know how these things work sometimes. All right. I think that is about going to wrap it up, everyone. I'm refreshing some stuff now. And I don't think we have any more stuff to talk about. Smooth, 70, 66 minutes, whatever you could imagine. Andrew, anything else to get off your chest? Oh, man, um, I think we, we said it all here. All the injuries, all my best ball teams are dead with Chris Carson on them. But hey, you know, that's what DFS is for. Well, all mine died two carries in the season with Raheem Moster. So you could be <laughs> running a lot worse. Dwayne, anything else, man? No, man. Marquise Brown practice today. That's all I cared about. That's the only reason I showed up and I didn't I didn't get asked a question about it, but we're good. Hey, Dwayne, how are the kids? Who cares? Marquise Brown's back, babe. <laughs> like... <laughs> For yeah, Dwayne, it's, time for fa- it's time for family dinner after this. So, yeah. <laughs> for Dwayne, for Andrew, I'm Ian. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. We're trying to help you all win your leagues, win some money, have a good time, and all that. So, thank you, as always, for tuning in. Until next time, take care. Peace.